2: welcome to another episode of after impact i'm your host tom bilyeu and i am here with the legend dr finesse is in the house taking over co-hosting studios from our boy agent smith who has moved away Yes, he's moved away mm. much heartbreak around here but nonetheless we are very excited to have the good
1: doctor in the house mm-hmm. i'm What's excited up, to be here i'm excited to be here nice thank you jared
2: Mm. all right guys this is after impact
1: where as
2: jared would say we unpack the impact of our main episode show impact theory and this one is with kevin kelly the amazing person from wired magazine he was the founder of wired magazine super interesting guy i really enjoyed this one and i enjoyed watching it again for prep um, I won't say more than actually recording it, because I, uh-huh. I really enjoyed him so much that I went up and spent some time with him like a couple weeks after right. that. Um, just really, really, I find this guy super fascinating. But re-watching the episode, I was like, oh, I
1: forgot we talked about that. So I had a good time with this one. Yeah, you know, it's funny, because he's one of those guys that, I don't know, he has this <laughs> Amish look to him. Like He has <laughs>
2: intentionally cultivated yeah. an Amish look.
1: And it's fantastic, because, I mean, it's just... It's, uh, his way of thinking is almost a juxtaposition to all that. So you see him sit down and he gets going, but at the same time he has the stoicism that you would expect mm. uh, from someone living on the farm, uh, rolling, uh, you know, a carriage, a horse and carriage. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, there are a lot of takeaways in this interview. Um, I love uh, what he brought out of you and what you brought out of him. And he truly is a fascinating person and, Kind of gave me a whole new way of looking at things, or you know, at least a way to attempt and try a different way of living, at least temporarily. See if it works. <laughs> but um, I'm going to dive right in and say that um, you know, there's something he said, and I think we preface with it. I think it's in the tease, uh, that caught my mind because I've heard this before, and I love the thought of it, but it sounds almost impossible. But I know it's not impossible because it's a task. But he says he's constantly trying to find out and others should do the same, what he can do and whatever it is only he can do. Mm. And it seems like it's everything's been tapped. You know what I mean? Like the well seems dry of possibilities of what is there that only you can do. And I wanted to get your take on that. Like, uh, how do you even cultivate that?
2: Well, I think part of it is understanding that I think that he means that in terms of you're in a group. And so what's the contribution you can make to the group versus, say, the world at large? I think there's probably precious few things that once we go broad enough to the world at large that only one person could ever do. In fact, I I won't speak for him on this, but I'll speak for myself. There's literally nothing that you were the only person that could do. It. You're the only person that would do it in your way, mm-hmm. and that's cool, and I love that about humanity, and I love that we all are this unique confluence of our genetics, our life experience, and the time that we live in. And so, with once you triangulate those three things, literally, no one exactly like you will ever exist again. Now, how far away from you they become, maybe there are people that are similar, mm-hmm. um, but. Truly, truly, when you think of us as synthesization, (laughs) I can't say that word. When you think of us as machines that synthesize, there we go, a little bit easier, um, then it, like, that's what we do well, we synthesize. So, you know, you've got this unique perspective and you can take in information, whether that's new information or not, and you have an output that is very different than anybody else would do. So I think it's understanding yourself within the context of your group. So like when you break it down to impact theory, there's like a a universe of stuff that you would be the right person to go to. And each one of us can say the same, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that becomes very interesting. Now, personally in life, when I talk about getting so good you can't be ignored and playing on a world stage, I'm talking about where your, elevating yourself to where you're you're playing in smaller and smaller fields, more and more rarefied, meaning the number of people globally that can hang with you on a given subject. Um, But I don't delude myself into thinking that somebody else couldn't, you know, do something similar.
1: You know, it's funny. I don't know why I took that comment so literal. I was like, oh my God, I got to figure out how to fly. How am I going to do this? (laughs) I I took it so literal. Um, But at the same time, I I, I did like later in the interview, he kind of touched on something that could go with this but uh but i know what, the way you described it, it makes total sense but he had mentioned uh that where technology is going that it's unimaginative unimaginative where we're going and what we could do and what the jobs will be in the future and he uh, used the example of um farmers you know years ago where it was something what 95 percent of men in, in particular in certain areas went on to be farmers they followed in the footsteps of uh their parents and you know their ancestors and they went on to be farmers and if you told them that would be running yoga studios or computing or you know being pilots they'd be like wait what do you th- what it, what it, what does that even mean mm. so uh i kind of got excited when he talked about the future and said that there will be uh jobs that we can't even imagine You know, and I guess going back to things that you could only do, I wonder for the inventors (laughs) out there, if you're you know, you're about to tap into something that truly only you can do. And what could that be or what can that be? But going uh, with that, I want to get your ideas on some of the things you know about that are about to happen in the future. That's going to change the way (laughs) way we look at things. Um, uh, That's pretty much beyond our imagination.
2: Yeah. So I I think the world is is gonna change pretty radically. And I think that it's gonna change very rapidly um, in the next five to seven years, I think, is when the dis- the sort of first edge of the real disruption is gonna to start to happen. So I think that we are about to experience massive disruption in the world. And because of the comment, by the way, that we're working on right now, which deals with this very issue, like mm. re-watching this episode, I was like, wow, we are, to his point, that nobody's giving a vision of the future that we can move towards, um, I'm actually pretty excited. We may have found a way to deal with the issue in a way that is both dramatic and paints a picture that people can move towards. So I'm excited about that. But I think in the next five to seven years, the first um, edge of real disruption is coming for us. <clears throat> and that's going to be driven largely by um, AI. Robotics will play a role as well. But AI, I think, is is really going to start causing some disruption. I think that autonomous vehicles are going to be the first thing that really freak people out because mm-hmm. there's something like 20 million drivers in the U.S. alone. Like, that's a lot of drivers, dude. It's a lot of drivers. So w- that will rapidly dissipate. And I'll say that you're going to start to feel it, like I said, in five to seven years. And I think in 15 years, they're essentially all gone.
1: God, it's so funny. I don't know why that one is so hard for me to believe. That that many people are drivers? No, that, that we're really going to move towards you know automatic cars are, are, are driverless cars i don't know why i That's hear that interesting all that is like
2: the no-brainer for me really because it's already happening first of all yeah. so like driverless cars are real they're happening right now and they've been happening now for a while google's been on the road yeah. with their autonomous car for years years and really? years they've driven some just ungodly millions of miles. Um, you've got Uber that was at least until they had their first accident that was active on the East Coast, I guess that they at least temporarily hit pause, which is great. Like, imagine we said, oh my God, a human killed uh, a human. Like, we have (laughs) to, human drivers just have to go away. It's so absurd. So it's like you're getting into this weird psychological realm where people want something emotionally, but they're really not thinking through. Like, just the fact alone that a human being will text while driving like you're putting yourself at risk you're putting other people at risk yeah and yet people do it all the time like i remember oprah had that pledge for a while that i won't text and drive that's right yeah and i emotionally signed that pledge so i don't text and
1: drive Yeah. like ever um that's a bright line for me there's just
2: it's not worth it, it. when
1: you step away from doing it Uh, you realize how ridiculous it it was why was i texting and driving it was the same thing when uh, los angeles instituted that law that you couldn't um or california actually that you couldn't hold your phone and drive at the same time Mm. and i remember initially i was like that's insane what are you talking about that's dumb and but the second you stopped holding your phone while you drove you realized how dangerous that was yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean i mean i guess I guess I just can't envision a world where everyone is stepping away from driving their vehicles or the manufacturers move on beyond that in five or seven years. Five
2: to seven years is the first edge of disruption. That's not like, oh, in five to seven years, no one will be driving, but your son is never going to get a driver's license. So your son is he's five? such a crazy thought. Yeah, he's five. So yeah, there's no way. In 11 years from now, with your level of affluence, there's no way. He, he just won't have... it it won't make sense like you would be so paranoid about him driving that you'd be like oh wow and the insurance like and that's how this is all going to happen so first like just commercially drivers are going to start to be put out of business and you're going to see um long-haul trucking and all that be automated be safe be safer um you're going to have people like me that'll be way early adopters that um so first of all i drive about one out of 15 journeys i take in a car i'm behind the wheel So I've already outsourced the driving. I just haven't outsourced it to AI yet, but I would love to, that would be amazing. But then like, that's the obvious one. The ones that are gonna be interesting are the ones that we can't imagine yet. Like, so um, for instance, your refrigerator is gonna place orders for you. And it's gonna say like, "Oh, your kale is, um, you know, wilting or it's giving off this chemical signature or it weighs this much less than when you first put it, like however they're gonna solve the problem, right? or just time. Like the last time you put kale in the fridge was a week ago. We know that the average life expectancy of kale in this drawer is 10 days. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, now we're going to reorder for you. Now that order then is going to go to another computer system, which won't have a human behind it. Like Amazon is already proving that model. Like when you look at the Amazon systems, it's insanity. Now, the interesting part is I think when people try to when they start imagining a world where humans have been eradicated, that doesn't make sense. Like that's not what AI is good at. I don't know that it's what AI will be good at in anything approaching the near term. So I'll say, knowing that the singularity is supposed to happen in 2045, which is where technology advances so fast that we can't even begin to predict it. So even knowing that, I don't think that you'll get general intelligence in, in an AI, meaning it's not just driving, it's not just um, processing orders, it's being able to drive and then process orders and then be kind to a child and then help an old lady across the street. Like when you think, and then like get excited about playing a video game. Like when you think about the breadth of what a human can do from a motivation standpoint, mm. Like, because things will only do what they're motivated to do. And that's one of the big problems in AI. Fascinating book by Nick Bostrom. Like, we're really going down a rabbit hole here, so I'm gonna wrap it up. Mm-hmm. But like, it, it is going to happen, but it's gonna be this blending of humans, AI, and robotics. So okay. uh, when you look at what's going on, and admittedly, I don't know a whole lot about it, but like Elon Musk is sleeping on the floor of the Tesla facility because he was like, we over-automatized, um, is mm-hmm. that a word? We over-automated. And so now he's trying to like re-blend people and the machines working together. And I think that's where this is all going. So to your initial point, like quoting Kevin Kelly saying, it's gonna be things that we can't even imagine yet. New jobs, exciting
1: jobs, like that's where this is going.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. And just hearing him say it, it excited me, you know what I mean? I hear it all the time, but it was something about the way he said it. You could see, the enthusiasm in the in the experience of going through it in the past. You know, he's old enough to see how much technology has advanced exponentially, and to know that that's where we're going. Right. Um, it's one thing to hear, you know, some twenty five year old say it who hasn't experienced the change himself in the past. Right. Um, and then I think that's one thing that we take for granted um how much technology has advanced since the 60s (laughs) you know we can easily sit here and I'll speak for myself and say like oh we haven't advanced that much but no no we have dude when you go back
2: 150 years we are straight (laughs) sci-fi but really really think about that like straight sci-fi cars don't exist yeah phones don't exist um certainly not in the way I don't remember when it was invented but certainly not in the way that they exist now Um, like even farming, like it would be unrecognizable. Something that is like the, the thing that people go to as, oh, 95% were farmers and that's like the old school and now they're not, but now they're not because of the machines and the way that we can like harvest, like at scale with machines that drive themselves by GPS, like the, the understanding that we have even of physics didn't exist. Right. Mm, So like you go back 150 years and it is it, it. we look like an alien civilization wielding magic other than that we visually look the same like it would be
1: that jarring for people that's nuts it's nuts um okay so i've noticed that so many entrepreneurs uh and or mega successful uh folks dropped out of college kevin mentions he did after one year although he said he wished he stayed longer
2: no he wished he hadn't gone at all that's
1: right that's what it was i'm sorry yes that's right he said he wished he hadn't gone at all and it's funny because it's something i think mean, the trend is the wrong word but the more and more i, I research some of these successful folks uh it, it's a common denominator it's mm. nuts it's nuts um and, and you I'm, were going to say it's a trend to not go to college right yes yes and yeah. i and i noticed it's a growing trend with a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs or people um you know i was talking with courtney's uh nephews the other day uh, the ones visiting from nashville and I asked what they were studying and what their favorite, uh, you know, subject was. And I, I made the presumption to be like, oh, and what college do you plan to go to? And they both looked at each other. and They're like, college? <laughs> kind of scoffed at me. And I was like, what? And then I, and then I remembered. I was like, wow, I, I guess this is something that, you know, I, I was a part of that system. We were both a part of that system that that, you know, coming up, at least for our age, that's what we were told. If you want to make it in this world, you better go to college, because if you don't, you never amount to anything. I remember even hearing those words from my instructors. Um, but I'm noticing this trend. I just wanted you to weigh in on that.
2: One, I, so putting it in context of what Kevin Kelly said, I love his idea of not prematurely optimizing. And when I think about when I, I made the decision to go to film school when I was 12, So it's like, you wanna talk about prematurely optimizing. Like now my life has taken such a like fascinating in hindsight, fascinating like roundabout approach to really test and show me how much I love the art of filmmaking. Um, But that like I got, I will say I got lucky with that, that I came across something that I legitimately enjoyed at a time where the technology was able to meet me, at a time where my dad had some random thought that he said out loud, which is that he thought I was good behind the camera. And like, it becomes this confluence of events that start pushing me in a direction. Now, like you said, I never once considered not going to college. Like, it it actually never occurred to me that you could not go to college. Like that that was an actual, not even a viable life choice, that it was a life choice. Mm. Like growing up in my family from the time we were kids, it was just like when you go to college, when you go to college, Mm -hmm. when you go to college. So it was a when I go to college, not if I go to college. And then I remember one of my friends being like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to go. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like that honestly, like the whole foundation of my life shook a little bit. And I was like, Oh my God, I could actually choose not to go to college. That literally had never occurred to me. So that's one of those reminders of like how much the system, the belief system of other people of your society, all that like become your dominant thoughts. That it's this is water, right? I didn't even question it so now that i'm seeing this trend i think okay well i love kevin kelly's idea of not prematurely optimizing to go you know wander around asia with a camera and just taking photos and playing and just like finding out what you like i think everybody should do some variation of that i think it's the only way you're going to find the thing that you really enjoy enough to really begin doubling down on to go down that path to commit to give your life over to learning and becoming extraordinary to do that without first playing around, fumbling, stumbling in the dark, encountering things you never would have imagined or expected, like the odds are freakishly slim that you actually do something that you're gonna be passionate about at 40 years old. Mm-hmm. So that's powerful. Now, when I think about an entire generation that goes, yeah, we're not gonna to go to college. Okay, now we have to ask, for whom does college work? college was insanely powerful for me. So even though I don't recommend it blanket to other people, I am so glad I went because at that point I did not have the discipline to do something without somebody breathing down my neck. So, and I know this because after I graduated college and now I'm in the period of my life where I'm feeling hopeless and lost. So I worked my ass off in film school and really did stuff to be proud of grinding it out, really like showing a level of grit and determination in my life that I didn't know I had, nobody knew that I had. But then when I realized that I wasn't talented and I thought talent was something that you either had or you didn't, suddenly working like that didn't, didn't make sense. So now I hit this like crazy lazy patch in my life where I didn't have a job once for like, I don't know, it was probably three or four months. And I'm collecting unemployment And I had to set an alarm, an alarm, Dr. Finesse, to make a 10 p.m. movie. So my life just, I started staying up later and sleeping Uh later, staying up later and sleeping later, staying up later and sleeping later. All the while, all I'm doing is playing video games. (laughs) And I stay up late and sleep so late that a friend was like, hey, let's go see this movie. And I'm like, dude, 10 p.m. is like the earliest I'll be able to make, because now I'm sleeping all day. And I thought, and I better set an alarm that that's, that's when i was like whoa whoa whoa! this has really gotten out of hand so now rewind that to me at 18. Mm-hmm. leaving home right i wouldn't have had the discipline to go make that play worthwhile i wouldn't have had the guts to go to asia where he's going and he's not like going to friendly parts of asia yeah. at one point he is he's in tehran iran yeah. so we've now officially left asia And we're now living in the Middle East like straight up. So this isn't like, it's not like he's chilling in Bali or Thailand where, hey, like I'm sure that it could also be like, you could discover yourself and get into some weird stuff, but like straight up. So that like, I would never have had the guts to do that. And the way that he was like cobbling together money and stuff, no, I would have never done that. So I would have been 18 at home, Tacoma, Washington, too lazy to get off the couch, playing video games all day, with no discipline and drive. So it's like, dude, for me, thank God that I didn't encounter that until I was, what, probably 22 at that time. Mm. And like, had developed a passion for something so I could feel that sense of not only that something was missing, but I knew exactly what was missing. Mm. And that was what I used to start getting back on track. So... It, it doesn't scare me in a one-off scenario where somebody like um, Courtney's nephews mm-hmm. seem like they're saying it from a perspective of, we've talked to our parents, we've talked to a lot of people, we've assessed the options, we know what we want enough in life. They're not just gonna sort of rot away like yeah, I would I, have. Yeah. So as a one-off, yeah, 100%. Like if you've got the drive, discipline, and the focus, to, to even if you're gonna go play, to know how to leverage that to learn and discover, great. If you don't, I think not having those extra four years, not being forced to encounter things at a really deep level could be wildly detrimental. Mm -hmm. And when I think about what's the knock-on effect of college becoming this thing where people are so afraid of the debt that it becomes the cultural subconscious that that school is useless, Mm -hmm. which I think is very different. School not being worth the money is very different than school not being valuable. And so I worry that we're already getting our lunches eaten by cultures that put a tremendous amount of pressure on their kids to learn mm-hmm. and thusly a tremendous amount of pressure on the educational system to churn out truly world-class um, thinkers that at some point, you become the backwoods mm-hmm. because people just aren't pushing themselves, and not elevating their intellect. So it, it could get dangerous,
1: I don't know, we'll see. No, I agree. Um, you said a magical term uh, earlier and I wanted to dive into the. Definition and the meaning of it so everyone understands premature optimization. I uh, wanted to get, uh, you know, Kelly mentions, Kevin uh, mentions it in the interview, so I just wanted to get your take on it and.
2: If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start run, and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all US e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?
1: further dive into what the meaning is.
2: Yeah, so premature optimization is to, he said it comes from biology and that it's when a biological organism adapts to its environment so powerfully that there's no separating them from what's happening at that moment. So that, take for instance, this is gonna be so awkward, but you'll get the idea. So those goats that like survive at like crazy high altitudes Mm -hmm. and all that, and okay, well, what happens if you transplant them to somewhere where altitude is a non-issue, you take them to the plains, right? And so now all of a sudden their ability to cling on to like the little side of the rock or to deal with cold weather, it, it doesn't help them. And so once they like adapt to that tiny, tiny little niche and they get great at that niche, they, there's nowhere to go for them. And so he said, once they realize that there's an even higher peak to climb, to get better at a, you know, a broader domain to dominate, then suddenly it's like well we you know there's nowhere for us to go so think about the inuits like no uh disrespect to inuits like what they're able to do in cold weather is amazing but technology and society and the way that we've advanced have left them the kings of a very niche environment somewhere that doesn't allow them to um you know climb rapidly up in traditional society whereas um You know take just like the olympic games so most of the endurance events not all of them most of the endurance events um that people can think of those all require that you be able to dissipate heat very rapidly Mm -hmm. so you don't see a lot of Inuits in marathon running, Mm -hmm. which was, I forget who, we had another guest that pointed that out. And I thought, oh my God, that's so fascinating. so So now take that beyond just the sort of physical and move it into the realm of what you study. So now you've made a choice to go down a path and you could at any time sort of unwind that. Um, but you make a choice to go down a path, and that path then becomes what you know, what you're good at. And I, more than I worry about someone being successful, I worry about them being happy. So you go down this path, you optimize for it, you get good, you take jobs, you build a resume, um, your lifestyle grows with your ability to earn a check, let's say as a computer programmer. And so, you know, as a computer programmer, you make 120K a year, you know, you use very specialized knowledge, and then you realize, I actually hate this and I hate the types of people I'm around, I hate the types of projects, whatever, and, but I've gotten really good at it. Now what? So that's why you wanna make sure that before you go down the path of optimizing that you've experienced a whole lot of stuff because what ends up happening like um, when Sean was telling his story, so Sean, for those that don't know Sean, who's uh, one of our teammates here, he is Indian. And so his parents basically said, you're an engineer, a doctor, or a computer programmer. Like, those are the the things that are satisfactory in our world. And so they were just, there's so much societal pressure pushing him in that direction. And if he had done that, and then, you know, at 25, starts to, like, have the quarter-life crisis, I don't really want to do this, keeps doing it to make the family happy. At 40, that quarter-life crisis turns into a deep-seated, neurologically hardwired depression. And so that's the thing that scares me versus going out and exploring and realizing that the okay. world doesn't have three options the world has 300,000 options and so one
1: of those is likely to really feel awesome for you. Hmm. Uh this ties into what you just said um one way to avoid uh that type of uh depression uh because of uh not living up to someone else's expectations like you said is to travel and see the rest of the world and uh Kevin says this is a very effective way of tapping into the power of unlearning. Uh, And you know, uh, again, we are all told very early what we need to do, what needs to be done. um, And we kind of have, we become set in our ways of how how to learn. So he talks about the power of unlearning and a good way to do it is travel. But I want to talk about the power of unlearning and what that means with you. So
2: one example is like Sean, so deprogramming that there are only three acceptable options. So that's unlearning a cultural belief. Um, unlearning that you need to go to college, another cultural belief. So those are things that you need to unwind to really see the breadth of options. Um, and a great example of this, this is so funny. So yesterday uh, we were downtown filming mm-hmm. and we parked somewhere and we needed to pay for the parking, but for the parking lot we were actually and it was broken. So there were signs sending you go to the other parking lot, but it was locked. And so I'm standing in front of the fence, like, huh, what do we do now? And Lisa goes, Well, just can you not fit through that gap? And I'm looking at the fence and I'm and I see like where the the like fence gate slides into its slot and there's like a maybe an eight-inch gap, and I'm thinking, man, I am never gonna be able to fit in that. And I'm like, guys, like that that gap is not big enough. And they're like, no, 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 the other gap. And I'm looking at the guys, I'm like, whatever you see, I don't see. I Christopher, I am 24 inches from the gate maybe maybe three feet Uh and they're like dude right in front of you in the fence one of the bars had been cut out so there was a place you could easily walk through but my brain told me i had learned that fences are you can't go through them the 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 gaps are going to be closed so i didn't even see it it was dude it was so it was as close as me to you that's crazy and i couldn't see it And I thought, whoa, you see what you expect Mm -hmm. to see. And so that's the power of unlearning. This is why becoming a a expert becomes incredibly dangerous because you see what you expect to see. And so the person that's a newbie, they come in and they see something totally different. Mm. Like I think about this all the time in the comic industry, man. It's like, there are just so many assumptions that people have accepted as true, that as an outsider, I'm like, this is pure insanity. (laughs) Like Like, guys, yeah, yeah. like. Like, I mean, I have all the answers, but I will just tell you right now, it can't go on like this. Yeah. So it, So unlearning, or so when I think about my own life in the way that I've, quite frankly, unintentionally reinvented myself every 10 years. But in doing that, and going to a new arena, I'm always, I'm able to bring my experiences from the past, whether that's sort of generalized business acumen, for instance, right? So I learned business acumen at a technology company, but then I apply it to a nutrition company where I know nothing. Um, I learn all these tools about marketing in Google AdWords and traditional paid advertising. I know nothing about it, but I get like the psychology of speaking to somebody and then I transfer it to this new thing that's now called social media, which didn't even have that name back then. And all of a sudden our company explodes, right? But it explodes because I'm taking something that I learned and applying it to something entirely new. And then I do that again as we now move into media. So I'm taking all the things that we learn, marketing specific products to people and say, how do we touch people's lives and change the way that they think about the world through media? And so unlearning in some ways, I don't use that word, Mm -hmm. but unlearning is really the foundation of what impact theory is. is Mm -hmm. I know that the, the cultural momentum teaches people a limiting belief set. And so how do we get them beyond that? How do we either help them deconstruct that? And the honest answer is I'm actually even having a difficult time answering the question because I, tr- I don't like the word unlearn mm. because that implies you spend your energy breaking something down rather than spending your time just learning something new. And I think that your, your energies are always better spent learning something new than they are trying to break something down. So um, that's where I would pick up what Kevin is really trying to convey, Mm -hmm. which is you have to see things afresh. And I think the easiest way to see things afresh is to step into something completely new, completely different, um, to break out of your mold. But here's something that I've been doing recently, actually writing down my assumptions. Because I am so afraid of considering myself an expert that I won't see, like, even as I get, I, I am on a crash course in the comic industry. And so I am learning so much so fast that I can feel my own world narrowing down. Mm. And so the other day, Lisa said something to me, cause I was like, well, we're gonna do this. And she was like, wait, wait, wait. You said that originally we were gonna do it like that. And I thought, yeah, but like I've learned all this stuff. And I thought, okay, whoa, that's how this gets dangerous. Because I've now started ruling out options because I'm learning, I think I know something now. And so as I know something, I start closing doors, 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 which is good because it allows you momentum, but you've really got to check yourself and make sure that that door you closed you know, eight months ago didn't actually hold an important key, that now you have the right information because you've learned this, and now with my new information, if I recheck that assumption, then I can go through. So I started actually writing down my assumptions and saying, here are the like seven things I believe to be so true, so immutable, that now they're water from the this is water speech yeah. from David yeah. Foster Wallace, mm-hmm. where the fish is the last one to recognize the water. Mm-hmm. So I don't even realize I've made the assumption. And so now I'm, I'm checking myself by writing them down. It's an experiment. I don't know it'll work, but it's pretty interesting. And once you it's write them down, important. you say, well, what if, I, what if this wasn't true? Or what if, in fact, the exact opposite is true? What if that thing is not only false, but the thing that is 180 degrees in the opposite direction is false? patently true. And so coming at it that way, it's like, like for instance, I wrote off, you can't market directly to 3000 stores. Well, what if that's fair? What if that's false? What if you can? What if in fact you have to? What if that's the secret everyone's been missing? Uh What if you need to find a way, a system or whatever? And then that gave me the idea, which anybody listening. So here's one idea, maybe terrible, but here's an idea that that exercise of writing the assumption down and then saying, what if the exact opposite was true? I thought, okay, well I've been giving away all this content I've been warning people that one day I'm gonna have an ask. Mm-hmm. And we could do the ask of, guys, I'm going to, um, I want you to go print out this digital flyer and I want you to take it into your local comic shop and they go online, they put in their zip code and then we display, this is the comic shop that we want you to go and take the flyer and just tell them, hey, this book is coming out. And I thought, holy shit, that would actually work. Mm-hmm. Like we have almost a million people in our ecosystem now. Like the, the tiny percentage yeah. of people that would actually have to go print that flyer out just as a thank you for all the free content. Like that would be insane. Yeah. And so I thought that might actually work. Like, <laughs> and it, so. To, to just bring it all back around to Kevin Kelly, I never would have thought of that if I didn't realize the truth of what he's saying, which is that you've, you cannot calcify. You can't become dogmatic about the, it's the beliefs that empower you to move forward, right? It mm-hmm. is codifying the world into this is true and this is false that allows you to get momentum. But it is also that momentum that means that you'll miss all the things that the people coming behind you just aren't blind to because they're, they're so naive.
1: Yeah. So yeah. the naivete of the beginner is incredibly powerful. I love that. Uh, the B side of that is you know Kevin also says that he loves the idea of teaching people early in life to learn how to learn. Yeah. Which is very interesting to learn how to learn. I love that. Um, Kevin also says finding yourself is better than getting wealthy finding yourself is better than getting wealthy. What are your thoughts on that?
2: No question. So there's nuance to it, which is finding yourself is about fulfillment. Fulfillment is the only thing ultimately in life that matters, period. And the reason that I'll say that finding yourself is, um, akin to fulfillment, the, the thing, the goal of the game that you're playing in life is neurochemistry, right? It's, what is sustainable beautiful and and I like that word over joyful, beautiful, okay. where it you do something, you structure your life in a certain way, um your skill sets allow you to do something that dot dot dot, all of those things that leave you with a sense of wonderment and awe, which I usually use the word beauty, okay so that, whatever that thing is that leaves you in that state the most frequently, because that state echoes. Like if I've had a moment of awe and then something really bad happens, oftentimes that awe will linger and I'll just keep looping back around to it. There's something, excuse me, there's something so captivating about that. Mm. So that's where finding yourself, quote unquote, is to me, the ability to encounter enough things that you find out what really start to give you that sense of like wonderment. Like dude, my entire life, I've just tried to shake comic books because they leave me in awe, the wonderment of a story being visually told and there's something about um, human created art that hits me in a way that photography doesn't. Now. Ultimately, I would say that filmmaking impacts me at a much deeper level, and that's why that's ultimately where I want to be, because I think that that's true for way more people. Mm -hmm. So I get that the comic thing is like a really niche thing for me. Um, I think that the world has asked and answered the question, how many people are interested in comic books in their current form with the current distribution model? And it's just not a lot. So I I fully get all that. And I've tried to let it go, tried to let it go, tried to let it go. And I keep coming back to it because it leaves me in awe. And when I'm reading a book and the story is amazingly told uh, with the economy of language, the economy of imagery, um, you know, that the art itself, the colors, the compositions, all of it just speak to me. Being in a comic book store is an overwhelmingly pleasurable experience to me. Being at a comic con is overwhelmingly pleasurable experience for me. Like there's just something about it. And so finding those things like I want people to want things the way I want things where like Lisa asked me something the other day and we somehow got onto my obsession, which is that story in Einstein's dreams where there's a world where people live forever, Mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. And they break into these two camps. Camp number one, nobody ever does anything because there's always time to do it tomorrow. And camp number two, they're always doing stuff immediately with as much intensity as possible because there's time to engage in everything that they love. Mm -hmm. And Christopher, it never occurred to me that the other one existed. The, the, that, that first the, the first world oh, okay. where you wow. do nothing because there's always time. Because I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like the things that I want, the things that I love, the things that I want to engage with, like they're so fucking cool to me. The, and like on a neurochemical level, like just, I get so into them. Mm-hmm. So if I want to wake up early The other day, I did this two days in a row where I, when I was going to bed, I said, wake up at X time. The first day, I woke up within five minutes of it. And the second day, I woke up to the minute. Are you serious? Yep. That's But the only way I can do it is by telling myself that thing that you're working on, that you're really fucking excited, you get to do that first. So once I can go do the project that like, I'm just like, I'm that excited Mm -hmm. that I will just wake up after like six hours of sleep because i want to do that thing that badly there was one time and now i'm derailing again i'll bring myself back around very shortly i was editing a film that i had shot and i was so excited lisa had left Mm -hmm. she was gone like two weeks before me she was in london and i was going to meet her and i was going to screen the film for her and everybody else i was so excited to do that you're going to think i'm lying i was sleeping between 30 minutes and two hours a night Mm -hmm. every night without an alarm what? Because... That's not even possible. Christopher, that's how excited I was. So when you like, and you guys get punished even more than the people listening to this right now, because when I get so into something, I am into it, dude. Uh-huh. And so I want that for people. So going back to the, the question that you asked, like having people want something at that level, getting yeah. into something at that level, um, like that is the juice. So that money like swimming in my money or thinking about something that i'm gonna buy has never woken me up like that Mm. and so we just had ed my on the show which by the way that was so awesome that dude's amazing he's amazing and we actually didn't get to talk about it on the show but one thing that i came across in my research he said the ferrari fades and what he means by that is you get the ferrari and literally for like three days maybe two weeks it's so fucking cool but then it wears off. And I can't tell you, I when I was going through the process, because it took us probably, I don't know, four to six months to, to really take the investment. And so I went from, look, I was making good money as I was not living like a pauper even at that point. But you go from having, let's say, $100,000 in your bank to, at least it gets really weird when I say like real numbers, but like yeah. tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. It's like, you would think that would last forever, but it doesn't. And I knew going into it, yeah, this is going to wear off. Like Even before it happened, while we were going through this process, I'm like, this is gonna be super rad. I don't know for how long, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe six months, but uh, most things don't make it months. Like they just, you acclimate. It's called a hedonistic set point. Like you just, you adapt, no matter Mm. how cool. But awe is always awe. Mm. all will fucking hit you Mm -hmm. all will take your breath away like and and i'll give you one that i know you'll be able to relate to there are times i'll just look at lisa and she'll smile at me and it fucking hits me to my core (laughs) and i'm like yeah Yeah. that has never gotten old in my life right i know your wife gives you that i know you'll look at your son and one minute you want to be choking him to death and (laughs) the next minute he'll he'll just do something and you'll be in with minutes. And like, I have chills right now just thinking about you having a moment with your son, yeah. right? Like that, that's why Kevin Kelly says that. Mm. So now I say that there's nuance to it because money is powerful. And so I don't want people to be like, fuck, and these rich guys are always talking. Money is powerful. I want more of it because it lets me do something and yeah. I'm so clear on what I want to do and what I want to build and it's things that give me that on that obsession and waking up after 30 minutes because I want to work on that thing again and that, telling those stories and thinking about the people that we're going to impact mm-hmm. like dude that shit owns me heart and soul so I need the money to facilitate that um, and you know when I cut my mom a check that had a lot of commas and zeros. That that is one of the single greatest feelings in my oh, life. Oh yeah, I could only imagine. So it, it money's real, money's powerful, but it can't, it can't hold a, a candle to awe and fulfillment. And that's the thing people think money's going to give them. That's why mm-hmm. they chase it so hard. Yeah. But it won't. It does wear off.
1: So yeah, I mean Kevin Kelly's just right on the money with that. Wow, that's a, That was a long answer. But a fantastic answer. Thank a fantastic you. answer. Pottery by the pound. Yeah.
2: What does that even mean? So this was, probably, <laughs> this, this was probably my favorite part of this whole episode, and I want everybody listening right now, if you're driving, I'm not joking. I wonder how many people do this, because I've I probably asked 15 times for people to pull over, let this hit you, like take a note on it, because mm-hmm. this is really, really powerful. So there was a pottery class, and the guy, the teacher, decided that he would grade in one of two ways, and he would let the students choose. You can, um, at the end of the class, Actually, before we get to that, so your grade is gonna be based on one of two things. You can either create one magnificent piece of art and you could take the entire class just to create that. So imagine the level of detail and obsession that you can pour into that. And my wife, for instance, without hearing this story, would gravitate towards that. She likes to spend a lot of time on one thing. Um, So like her Instagram posts, she'll spend hours on a post. It's crazy. And she'll do it on vacation because she loves it. Mm-hmm. So that's where she would go. Then on the other hand, he this is a pottery class. Mm-hmm. He would base your grade solely on the number of pounds of things that you'd created. So they could all be shit. But just was there 75 pounds of it? because if there's 75 pounds, you got an A. Over here, you only created one thing, but if it wasn't miraculous, then you didn't get a good grade. Yeah. Now, the reason that he did that was one, he wanted people to be able to choose, but two, he believed that every like, standout piece of art, every year, like if you said, what's the best piece of art? Every year, it came from the By the Poundage group because they were just doing it over and over and over Mm -hmm. and they were practicing Mm -hmm. and learning. And when you obsess about making something perfect, Mm -hmm. you don't get as good as doing it, getting a reaction. Oh wow, people didn't go for that. Doing it and getting a reaction. We all know my famous nine hour Instagram story. When I started writing content, I was, every post was my identity. Mm -hmm. And I thought of myself as a good writer, that's a lie i thought of myself as a fucking world-class writer that hardly anybody can hang with that's the real god's honest egotistical truth mm-hmm. and so to like have that weight on my shoulders of like this instagram post has to like show <laughs> that i am one of the greatest writers of all time <laughs> and it was like i was paralyzed and because of that like it was just like this thing that weighed on me and i once spent nine hours writing a single instagram post and at the end of that arduous journey. I realized a I haven't like improved that much as a writer because I've only done one thing. I've spent all my time on this. And there no human being can justify 9 hours on an Instagram post. You just can't. The Gettysburg address, maybe. An Instagram post not so much. I yeah. have a dream, yes. Yeah. Instagram post, no. no so way. it was like, guys, yeah. I, This is crazy. So I literally went, I gave myself a 20-minute policy. I went from nine hours to 20 minutes. And they got worse. There's no question. Now Mm -hmm. there's sometimes spelling mistakes or like the rhythm of it just wasn't quite right. But now I'm playing a game that's more akin to volume. And what's so interesting to me, every post I put out, no no matter how much I love it or hate it, somebody says, oh my God, this is what I needed to hear today. Mm -hmm. And I think, cool. It's going to be like, let's say 5%. 5% 5% of the people are going to be moved by what you put out. Mm-hmm. 95% will be some variation of don't care all the way to like, hey, this was good, but like not falling into that, like 5% that were just shaking to their core. So far better to put out a lot of stuff, see what resonates, see what works, check mistakes, see where I went wrong, see how I could improve it, and then get better just by doing so much of it. And, um, oh God, Neil Strauss. Neil Strauss's writer's block is bullshit. Mm. And I thought, that's actually really interesting. If you approach it that way and just say, I'm turning something in. Like my content is due at a certain point, so I've got to write it. And this is ironic. The way that my newsletters went from somewhat, they weren't frivolous, but I was just trying to um, chat with people reading it to being really powerful was when I started realizing that deadline comes whether I want it to or not. Mm -hmm. And so I need to start giving people like real cut and dry. I'm not like, I don't have to overthink it. I'm giving them my deepest truths. And so then it was like, all right, do this, this, and this. Like, and I've got to get on to the next one. Okay, so that's fucking powerful life lesson. All right, next, powerful life Just knowing that I I couldn't afford writer's block. So if I didn't have something where I felt like I was really gonna connect with people, like I would struggle to get this damn thing done. And so then finally it was like, I can't rely on inspiration, motivation, mood, nothing. It's gotta be the most raw, real truth. Like, these are the things I know to be true. Get after them. And then I was like, whoa, these are actually getting really good. And so now we're filming them. But I never would've gotten to that point if I had tried to handcraft one brilliant email yeah. and just
1: made that my magnum opus. All right, we got time for one more. Um, I wanna talk about creating your life it, it, it being an active process, basically. Yeah, love that. So. Process, 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 I can't stress that
2: enough. Guys, the fact that you suck at most things, that's just a-okay, it's (laughs) a-okay. And that's how we're designed. We're designed to be able to adapt. We don't come out with the muscles for any one thing Ordained, We just don't. It's just not how humans are wired. So once you accept that, then it's like, oh, I suck at this thing, but it leaves me in awe. Mm-hmm. I want to go deeper into this. Every bit that I'm learning about this, I'm more fascinated. I'm drawn in deeper. And so those are the things you want to put your time and energy into. Everything is going to be like that. So letting it like erode your sense of self-esteem and all that. And hey, confession time. I still struggle with that because as you get better at things, you think, you start to think of yourself as being good at things, Mm. right? And so being good at those things becomes its own trap because you don't wanna go back to feeling like an idiot. But then I remind myself, it's my constant reinvention that has allowed me to have success at the level that I'm having success. So like, I'm constantly talking myself off that ledge of, stop it don't worry about being embarrassed go out do something look foolish 100 doesn't matter you're going to learn on a long enough timeline you're going to win but everything getting good at anything is going to be a process so if there's something new that i want to engage with i need to recognize i'm going to be bad at this but i can build my life into anything that i want it's just most people don't want to go through the building process they want to think that they were naturally gifted with something and life is about going and doing that thing and so while i fully understand love and respect People that are saying, find your strength, like do that thing. And I I wrote a newsletter about this because there is enough truth to that. It's kind of like money. People chase money because money is powerful. So even though it isn't at all what you think it is because it really does have a kernel of like power in it, people just keep wasting years of their lives on it. Over here, the same is true. If you're like, you have a, uh, let me um, stretch my vocabulary a little bit. Preternatural, I believe is how you say it. If you're preternaturally gifted at something, okay. um, then like you're going to get early wins there, right? So every bit of energy you put into that, not only do you start winning right away, which feels awesome and gives mm-hmm. you the excitement to keep going, but also your efforts are magnified. So my wife, if she puts time and energy into getting good at drawing, then she's going to get huge benefits out of that, benefits that I would not. Yeah. So... It doesn't mean that I can't get good, it just means that I don't have early wins, that I'm not Mm -hmm. gonna have the magnification effect. Okay, so it would be very tempting then to tell my wife, hey, go into art, double down, do that. But the truth is that it didn't fulfill her in the way that she wanted it. She loves it, it's a big hobby for her, but she didn't do it, it had to have been close to 12 years. She did not pick up a pencil. And it was only as we started getting back into comics and she was around it and she saw it all the time. She remembered like how strongly I react to that stuff that she then was like, whoa, being around it, rekindled it in her and she wanted to impress me. So then she starts drawing again. And then she's like, God, I forgot how much I loved it. So it's like, she's got that level of enjoyment for it. But when she thinks about impacting women's lives, building businesses, that captures her in a way nothing else can i I literally can't stop her from thinking about it so you want to find that thing whether or not it fits into your strengths or your weaknesses doesn't matter what's that thing that lights you on fire and then accept that you're going to be weak at it in the beginning and just build into
1: greatness it's amazing i love that i love that and you know it it goes back to what i felt the theme of this whole interview was at least for kevin was uh, learning how to learn and, uh, and if people don't do that, uh, and if they're afraid to try new things, they remain stagnant, plain and simple. Like, how can you, uh, you know, evolve if you're, you know, sticking to your guns and not learning anything new, how can you, it's impossible. And I think in any business, in any way of living, not even business, uh, it's kind of a, a sad and boring way to live. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so yeah, that's it. That's, that's all I got. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. As always, this is
2: so much fun to have you guys here uh, and to be able to go a little bit deeper on these episodes with you. Uh, If this is adding value to you, please do share it. That's how we grow this community. And as you heard, part of my secret master plan, I may need people walking into comic shops around the country. (laughs) So we really got to get this army big. And since I really hope that this is adding um, value to you, that it will add value to other people. So if you share it, that would be incredibly, incredibly meaningful. And whatever you're listening to this on, if you would go and leave us a review, if that's iTunes, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, Um, say something um, about what you're learning. That would be just so helpful. Uh, And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.